0: Welcome to the Gut Nerd Caribbean, a podcast dedicated to promoting a stealthy and healthy gut for every member of your family. In today's show, we look at prebiotics, probiotics, and Caribbean food. And we have a special guest from the University of the West Indies to share a recently published study about obesity and the gut organisms of children in Trinidad. It's Sunday, August 1st, 2021, and we in Trinidad and Tobago are observing Emancipation Day, a holiday that commemorates the abolition of slavery. Indeed, in 1985, Trinidad and Tobago was the first independent country in the world to declare a holiday that celebrates the liberation of slaves from servitude and their freedom from oppression. And there is even more that we are proud of that should never be taken for granted like our ability to chunky a pot. Now how is in a pot related to the mission of the gut nerd Caribbean? For that, we must first look at some definitions. You know when you're in school preparing for exams, your teachers always remind you that definitions will always come on the exam, and you get some easy marks by learning definitions. So let's get some easy marks by understanding prebiotics Probiotics and chunky. As a physician, I often get asked questions about probiotics from patients. Most commonly, if they have recently been on antibiotics or they had diarrhea, they want to know if they should be taking a probiotic. Or if they get frequent urinary tract infections or pelvic infections, they want to know should they be eating yogurt with probiotic cultures. Prebiotics are non-digested food ingredients that stimulate the growth and activity of the microorganisms living in your gut what we would call our gut microbiome that is chiefly made up of trillions of bacteria some yeast some viruses some protozoa but mainly bacteria therefore soluble fiber that is present in our vegetables or fruits or grains and nuts contain prebiotics there are also commercially produced dietary items that have been fortified with prebiotics. Studies show that the best prebiotic effect on our gut occurs when the sources of fiber are diverse. And there's a reason for that. The population of bacteria that exist in our gut use different types of molecules from the soluble fiber. They don't all use the same molecules. So having variety in the diet is key. Probiotics, on the other hand, was defined by the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations and WHO in 2001 and revised again in 2014. And it was defined as live microorganisms that, when administered in adequate amounts, confer a health benefit on the host. But this definition has led to a lot of controversy, especially in the area of guidelines that apply to the label probiotic and what level of proof of efficacy is mandatory in order to be able to use that label. What we know is that some products do in fact make it from the stomach to the large intestine, but the ability to grow and sustain a new population of healthy bacteria is not long term. And the study outcomes are not reassuring enough to promote those products in routine healthcare in our offices. So, what about the live bacteria and yeast that naturally live in our body, our own personal probiotics? Can we harness their power and promote their growth without having to take an over the counter supplement or a pharmaceutical product? The answer is a resounding yes. Our personal gut microbiome is an ever changing population that is influenced heavily by our diet. Our stress levels, our coexistent diseases, our genetic profile, and our use of antibiotics. This week, I had a chat with human microbiota consultant and researcher from the University of the West Indies, Serrano da Silva, about a recent study done right here in Trinidad and Tobago and the remarkable findings. Here are some highlights. So, hello, Serrano.
1: Hi, and Dr. Guness.
0: Welcome to the Gut Nerd Caribbean, and thanks for taking the time to chat with me and share useful knowledge with our audience. I want to start by asking, what made you interested in studying the gut microbiome? Okay.
1: Thank you for inviting me to your podcast and for such a great initiative to highlight the importance of gut microbiota health. I would say from a child, I was always interested in science. Um, my mother always caught me outdoors, looking at nature, looking at the birds, um, playing in the dirt, playing in the mud. Uh, I guess playing in the mud probably would have contributed towards my microbiota health mm-hmm. because there's actually benefits from playing in the dirt. Um, so what led me to develop a passion in this field is that I did a biology degree as undergrad, but as I progressed through the degree, I started to develop more of an interest in um, in health, in health and medicine, but I did not want to directly drive into um, medicine because, you know, I had a bit of phobia there of, of going out of it. So I decided, um, in what ways can I uh, develop? the skills and help persons without being directly involved in medicine. So I decided to do research and it was through going to the literature review for my uh, postgraduate degree in human physiology that I came across the field of human gut microbiota. And I saw that this research was relatively new to the Caribbean actually no one had any publication in this field. And I saw that gut microbiota was a very important field elsewhere and had numerous implications in terms of health. And because of such that, you know, drove my interest and I became passionate in that field. And right now it's it's like strictly gut microbiota. I am 24 seven because it's,
0: it's, yes. I do appreciate that. I think it was my fortuitous luck to have met you Because Uh at the same time that you are thinking of uh, your thesis, I am doing this gut-made Caribbean project, which is Uh all about the gut microbiome and how we can utilize it for our overall health. So Uh I know that you shared with me a study. Can you share briefly about the study you conducted on obesity and the gut microbiome of children in Trinidad?
1: Okay, so this research I started in 2018, uh, whereby I looked into children who are obese or overweight. And I took stool samples and analyzed those stool samples and compared it to healthier children or children who are are of leaner weight. What I saw is that the children in Trinidad, in Northern Trinidad, had bacteria within their stomach, within their gut, that was responsible for causing obesity. So these children who were obese had more of these bacteria than children who are of leaner weight. This is because there's certain bacteria that have the cap- capabilities to break down, like the starches, the carbohydrates, more in the stomach, more efficiently than other bacteria. Right. So by having more of these, it means that you can extract more energy from these foods and you can become, or they can have weight gain. Surprisingly, the children who are, also, who are obese also had significantly less of bac- certain bacteria that actually helps to maintain a healthy body weight. So it was two They had more bacteria that was causing them to be obese, while at the same time they had a reduction in bacteria that was shown to maintain healthy
0: weight. So that imbalance obviously uh-huh. doesn't work for them. It rarely works against them. Yes they, At one end they're putting on because of certain bacteria and then the ones that should help them lose, they don't have enough. Uh-huh. I yes. call those bacteria the ninja warriors against, uh-huh. against obesity. Um, it's, a, it's a good child-friendly term because children yes, understand yes. Uh, ninja uh-huh. warriors. And I say, we need to build your army of ninja warriors to yes, fight obesity, yes, yes. Uh-huh. to fight diabetes, and to promote good mental health. Those are the three yeah. big areas. Uh-huh.
1: And I believe there's a, a similar term that they use as prebiotics, that you're actually giving the bacteria, the good bacteria, nutrition, because Correct. they have to go out and fight Correct. for you. Correct. They have to go out and fight. Correct. Because they also contribute as the immune system as well. Absolutely.
0: The list Absolutely. of benefits are growing and growing, mm-hmm. and the research is there. Now, are you currently pursuing other aspects of the gut microbiome and diseases in Trinidad and Tobago?
1: Well, currently I'm involved with a project with the University of the West Indies, St. Augustine campus, and JCVI, that's located in Maryland in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we are looking at is the implication of diet on the gut microbiota, and specifically, how that may result in disease. Most importantly, we are looking at how your gut microbiota may be associated or may result in the development of diabetes in um, the African population in Trinidad, because this is a study that is also being conducted on the African continent. So we want to see how how the gut microbiota varies in the Caribbean from the main continent of
0: Africa. Yeah, the ancestral lines, because I understand that there are tribes in Africa that still eat a lot of fiber, a lot more than the westernized diet, um, Uh far exceeding 30 grams a day.
1: Which is also part of my research, which I didn't state. Um, What is showed is that the Trinidadian, based on their gut microbiota profile, is no more of a westernized diet. Right, So it means that our diet our gut microbiota have no reflected those of Western society and it's possibly because of what we have we are now currently consuming. You know, there's high fast food consumption, a reduction in fiber. And yeah. um, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. And that's why I hope yeah. right, through this through this current research that I'm involved in, we could actually compare the gut microbiota from the African mainland, like African continent to yeah. those in Trinidad.
0: One of the aims of um, the Gut Nerd Caribbean is to try and get families with very small children to uh-huh. start early with encouraging the high fiber intake because once the exposure to the fast food and the exposure to the peer groups in the schools that eat fast food uh-huh. happens, reversing the habit now becomes a struggle for the parent, especially if the parents themselves like fast food. Yes. So, yes. so in sharing this knowledge freely across Trinidad and Tobago, it's to wake up the families and uh-huh. say. And say fast food, especially what we have available here, is not uh-huh. the best. And we actually have some of the most delicious vegetarian dishes in this country. Mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. aren't we using that as our tools
1: yes, against yes, disease? Yes. Certainly, certainly. I guess um parents might look at the fast food and they might think um, it's because of the increased um, calories that might result in the weight gain. But actually, there's more in depth stuff. That is occurring within the body, because um, these gut microbiota they are not getting the nutrition they need. Um, so the good bacteria might not be getting the good nutrition that they require to go and develop. But at the same time, because we are feeding the, we are, at the same time we are also feeding the negative or the detrimental bacteria that actually could extract more of these um, calories from these foods, from these um unhealthy foods and these results in weight gain
0: so obesity is multifactorial and we know the content the calorie content is one the carb content the fat content but the gut Mm -hmm. microbiome is something that needs to be understood as well
1: yes any closing comments serrano well first of all i would just uh, would like to commend you for you know taking such a great initiative um this field is relatively new to the caribbean um, most persons, uh, they might know about probiotics, they might know about prebiotics, but they do, may not necessarily understand the full functioning of such. So this is a great avenue to educate the population on what the diet is. And that it might, the best probiotics or the me- best prebiotics may not necessarily come from a box, come from a pharmaceutical company, it might actually come from your local market, your local Correct. grocery.
0: Correct. And, right. you need, so, and you need, we need to make it affordable, safe, yes. and
1: sustainable. Yes, certainly, because um, again, bringing agriculture into it is it, a whole combination of different factors in terms of the food that we consume. Whether there's um, excess use of um, of um, pesticides, pesticides and herbicides and how that will also impact the gut microbiota. Absolutely,
0: right? absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, so it's quite an interesting field I'm extremely excited to see what the future holds as we do more research in the Caribbean because the Caribbean is like a virgin territory. We haven't fully explored what the gut microbiota is like within the region and if there might be a reason for some of our health problems. If it's a reflection of such or is it um, causing diseases to be developed in the region because of our... For that, on the implication yeah. of such on the
0: microbiota. Absolutely. So, I'm sure on a future episode, you'll have to come back and give us some more yes. updates because, as you said, it's new territory. So, now that we understand that prebiotics can come from the soluble fiber in our food and we can use them to grow our own diverse populations of probiotics within our personal gut ninja warrior army, where does chunky fit into all of this? Well, earlier this year, I met a wonderful gastroenterologist from Seattle who is trying her best to get her patients to eat more fiber. But she says the consistent response has been that fiber is not delicious and families looking to prepare tasty vegetables high in fiber are struggling. She is embarking on a project that includes making sauces that can be added to vegetables to make them more palatable and attractive to the entire family and allow them to achieve a fiber consumption of about 30 grams a day. So I said to her, in the Caribbean, we have some of the most delicious vegetable-based recipes. And coming from an East Indian background, I grew up eating vegetables seven days a week with meat added only on a Sunday. And it occurred to me that a lot of the vegetables I enjoy then, and still do today, involve the art of Chunk Khe. is a technique in cooking we learned from our Indian ancestors. We typically use it when making dal or choka, like baigan choka or tomatoes choka. We eat a couple of tablespoons of oil in a pot, or if you follow the authentic way, in a ladle known as a kalcho. And you add sliced garlic, about two cloves. When the garlic has turned a golden to dark brown, you pour the entire mixture of oil and garlic into the dish. And there is a characteristic sound made when you chonke your dish. It goes something like this. And I emphasize the sound because the origin of the word chonke is believed to be from a Hindi word, chalk. And for the English buffs in the audience tonight, Chauk is an onomatopoeia, meaning it is named for the sound it is associated with. Chanka is also sometimes used to describe the technique of heating oil, adding a curry spice blend with onions and garlic, and tempering the spices until it releases its essential oils and there is a fragrant aroma filling the room. At this stage you add the vegetables or meat and coat it in the spices as you continue the cooking process. My personal experience has been that if I chunky a pot, people will appear in the kitchen out of nowhere. And the smell of a chunked pot by the neighbor can cause your mouth to water and cravings to start. So with such deliciousness gifted to us in making our vegetables irresistible, let's continue to be proud of the amazing tools of our culture and strive towards a diverse consumption of fiber. Join me again next Sunday as we continue this journey to becoming heroes of our own health.